traveling, and uh, that's good. You need to have some time to be with family. But we're so glad to have you back to church today. And uh, yes, we do ask that you uh, tell us uh, three weeks in advance before you leave on vacation so we know that you're not going to be here. And uh, you say, Pastor, are you serious? Well, yeah, well, yeah, because I, I like to know where you're at. I, it bothers me when you're not here. I'm saying, are, are, they, are they in the hospital? Uh, I've actually called hospitals sometimes to check on people to find out. There were three hospitals. And finally, when three hospitals say, you know, we don't have that name, then I think, okay, we're okay. Uh, so, but you that are viewing from home, thanks for being here. Let's, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray for those that are home. God, that you would bring healing to them and strength and empowerment into their inner bodies for God's glory and for their benefit. Lord, I pray that you'd bless those who have shared financially with our ministry here at Calvary. Lord, bless them in abundance. And God, thank you for always looking out for the needs of your children. We give you praise and we give you glory and ask your blessings to rest on this service and upon the lives that will hear this service in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's good to have you here. Now, I know you're excited to hear this story about insurance because you want to know how fast claims can be paid off. Well, uh, to illustrate the swift life insurance claims and how they're paid, a salesman was talking about his company's office. And he said, our office is on the 10th floor of a 60-floor skyscraper. And he said, one day a man fell off of the roof and was handed his check as he passed our floor. <laughs> <laughs> and we have some dry land in Florida or some swamp land in Florida for you to buy as well. But uh, yeah. I just had to have a little bit of fun with that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Praise God. The young people leaving for camp tomorrow. We're planning on being here about 8.30. I'll be here a little bit earlier than that. And uh, we probably won't actually leave the parking lot until sometime after that. Uh, we have COVID activities to do, take temperatures and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be fun. We love the Lord. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? What and the who? What must I do to get eternal life? What must I do to get eternal life? That is the what on your paper. The what must I do to, to get that eternal life? What must I do? And who? Who? 
Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now, I want us to take a look at what has been said here. I opened the service uh, with Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 has a, a declaration. It says, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them upon your children. And so the, the, the basic thing is to love God with all your heart, body, soul, and mind happens in the Old Testament early on. And what's exciting about this is, is that you go through the next chapter of Deuteronomy and it says, if you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your forefathers. He will love you. God will love you if you keep his commandments. And he will bless you. All right? And he will increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, the grain, the new wine, and oil, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks in the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor any of your livestock without young. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not infect you on the horrible diseases you do in Egypt but he will inflict them on all who hate you. The blessings of loving God. As we sang this morning, he's always been faithful to us. So, so faithful. And, and, and so God says, I want you to love me with all of your heart, body, soul, and mind. And he says, if you will do that, I will bless you. I will increase your numbers. I will bless the fruit of your womb. I will bless your crops. I will bless your, your whole being, your whole industry. And so this, this person of the, of the law, this lawyer, was putting Jesus on the spot, saying, who, is, uh, who am I supposed to love? How do I get eternal life? Well, you get eternal life by, by loving God, but then also by loving mankind. And you see, he wanted to justify his own life because he wasn't willing to love people the way God was instructing him to love. Love God with all your heart, body, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He wasn't about to do that because he was a selfish man. And so we, we see the concept here, the, the lawyer's question. And, and it's the object of love the worth, the worthlessness of, of an object of love, just just an object. It's not about loving people so that you can get a star and crown your, you know, a star and your crown in heaven. It's, it's it's about genuinely loving people as God loves you. And and the bottom line is is that the lawyer wants to get out of this and is trying his very best to to put Jesus on the spot. But Jesus said, answered, he said, you answered correctly, do this and you will live. 
But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who? Who, who is that neighbor anyways? I mean, just explain that to me. In response, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. 17-mile trip, going down into the valleys in a very difficult place to be, and thieves hung out down there and would steal from people who was traveling alone. That was just the general idea of the day. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He didn't want anything to do with it. So, too, a, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, he didn't want anything to do with it. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and banished his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put his hand on his own donkey. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy upon him, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. What must I do to return, get eternal life? Love God by your heart, body, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Anyone that's in proximity of your being is your neighbor. It's not necessarily owning property next door to you. It could be the guy on the line at work. It could be the girl that's at the uh, grocery store putting stuff on the shelf, helping you find what you need. Your neighbor is those who are in proximity of your life. And it's interesting to realize that this, it does not say it, but it's understood that the person who has gotten robbed is Jewish. The priest chose not to be involved in the situation. The man had gotten beat up. I mean, he was in desperate need of help. But there was a very big strain of society, a very difficult time between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so if anybody out of this group had the quote-unquote a right to avoid a Jew, it was the Samaritan because of the culture of the day. The Levi, he chose not to get involved as well being a Jew, so we have a Jewish person laying in the ditch beat up. 
we have the priest who is Jewish, we have the Levites Jewish, and they choose not to get involved. But this worthless Samaritan, that's how they treated them. You see, the Samaritans were always bickering with the Jewish folk. And the Jewish folk was always bickering with them. And so, you look at this story, you realize this man got beat up, passed up, and picked up. Beat up because somebody wanted what he had. It, it is, to me, amazing how that people think they, they have a right to get, take what is not theirs. You see, the thief said, what is mine is mine. The thief said, what is yours is mine. And I'm going to take it. What is yours is mine, I'm going to take it. The priest and the Levite said, what's mine is mine, I'll keep it. What I have, I'm not giving away, I'm going to keep it. But this Samaritan, they call him half-breed, he comes on the scene and he says, what is mine is yours. What is mine is yours, we will share it. Total different outlook on life. The Samaritan said, let, let us bring healing to this situation. And it's so important for us to recognize the fact that why not me? Why not me? The Samaritan was saying that very thing to his own self. Why not me? What, what is the situation? Why not me? Why, why can't I get involved? I can do this. This is something that, that is possibly that, that's very important for me to be involved in. I, I can do this. Why was the Samaritan such a true neighbor? He had compassion in his heart. He had a love for people. And you sit here today and you say, well, Pastor, you know, I don't know if I can do that. Well, in our, quote, society today, you don't know what's true and what's not true. And so I'm not telling you to go out to service day and stop and help every individual you see. Because you don't know if you're going to lose your life because somebody's up to no good. But this Samaritan had a compassion on a man that was beat down, who desperately needed a helping hand, and he was willing to give him, willing to give him a helping hand. He had an unlimited concern. He was very much concerned. He gave up his personal comfort. Now that goes a little bit too far. We have a comfort zone. Have you ever noticed that? We have a comfort zone. Well, I can't do that because I'm not comfortable doing that. I want to encourage you to start asking the Holy Spirit to open and broaden your comfort zone to where you have the ability to speak. Now, I know for some, it, it's, it's not a problem to, to speak to a fence post and gain a friend within five minutes. And uh, I know some people like that. <clears throat> but I know other people that they can't speak to a fence post. They, they, it, it drives them nuts to think that I've got to talk. I've got to open my mouth. 
and it takes all of us to build the kingdom of God. But we, we must realize that we all have the ability to love people. And we all have the ability to have a helping hand. But he gave of his personal comfort. He gave physical energy. And probably the most valuable thing that this Samaritan gave was his time. And I would encourage you to take time to be kind. Amen. Take time to be kind. I got a call the other day, and it was like 4.30 in the afternoon. And I said, well, I'm, I'm glad you called. She said, well, I'm sorry I'm late. I said, well, I'm glad you called, and it's fine that you're late. The lady said, wow, thanks. You don't know who just screamed at them. I was standing in line, and this lady was going off on some people at a counter. And I was next in line. And of course, we had the COVID spacing, right? Well, when she left the counter, one of the employees walked away, and I just backed off and kind of didn't insist on being right there. I wanted, I wanted the air to clear, because it was ugly. It was ugly. And kindness was important at this time. And so I gave all the information I needed, and I, and I just kind of was just chilling, not forcing anything. People need space. And we need to love them right where they're at and not be pushy. And that's where this Samaritan was at. He was in the ditch helping this man get his life put back together. And the greatest statement, what is mine is yours, we'll share it. God has blessed America. Amen. And we have sent missionaries out to touch people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we continue to do that. And thank God, people are getting saved. People are coming into fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we must recognize the fact that God loves us and cares for us and wants us to be involved in the ministry. Jesus tells us about the Samaritan woman and how that he ministered to her and we're reminded of the great tragedies of prejudice that have happened throughout history. And we as the body of Christ, we must do our part to love people right where they're at. Amen. And how do you love people right where they're at? How do you go about doing that? I've got three different verses of scripture I want to read. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 it says, Therefore I urge you brothers in the love of God's mercy I urge you brothers in the view of God's mercy to offer your bodies a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to the Lord. 
This is your spiritual act of worship. We're to offer our bodies to the Lord. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're renewed in our minds by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love him, and because we love him, we desire to do those things that will bring glory and honor to him. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, because we love God and because he loves us, we are to be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and have a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us for a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God, a sacrifice to God. Imitate God. Therefore, as dearly beloved children, we are to imitate God. So how do we activate this Samaritan concept? How do we have a compassion for people? How do we have a willingness to step out of our comfort zone and bless someone? How does that happen? It happens because God loved us first, and we begin to recognize God loves us. And see, when we begin to love him back, the Old Testament scriptures are true to this very day, and that is as we love God back, he wants to bless us. He wants to work with us, and he wants to bless us and empower us with a greater blessing that in turn we can bless someone else. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Say it with me. Holy and dearly loved. That's who you are. You're God's chosen people, and you're holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ, all the peace of Christ. When we're in worship, the peace flows in this place. Thank you for praying through the week for God's anointing to be on the services. Thank you for praying for Thursday night prayer meeting. And thank you for just entering into God's presence. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whatever you do, I personally don't like that word, whatever, because more often than not, there's an attitude with it. <laughs> whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and whatever you do, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12. That is amazing. God's word. How it speaks to us. How that it's just downright simple and straightforward. It's our time. It's our talent. And it's our resources. What this Samaritan man gave was his time, his talents, and his resources. And God requires the same for us today. To give of our time, our talent, and our resources. There are priorities in life. And God wants us to recognize that we have Him.
we have him in our life. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Would you please tell her to help me? Would you tell her to help me? <coughs> Martha, Martha, Jesus, the Lord answers. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Priorities. What are our priorities in life? What are our priorities in life? This does not discredit labors of love. This does not discredit doing things that helps people. The most important thing we can do is be in the presence of God. If we can get in the presence of God, and we can respond to his presence with a spirit of forgiveness. God, forgive me where I've sinned. And God, forgive those that I've sinned against. And God, I forgive anyone who sinned against me. If we can get in his presence, it's much easier to say, I'm sorry. Because God equips us with the ability to say, I'm sorry. God equips us with the love. And so priorities in life are giving God our total being and recognizing that worship is the most important and Mary was at the feet of Jesus worshiping listening and soaking in the presence of Jesus while Martha was slavering and laboring in the kitchen slaving away in the kitchen she was upset that she wasn't getting the anointing but she was at the feet of Jesus as well just in a different way but Martha was the one who invited Jesus into the home, is what the verse says. So she had this great responsibility of hospitality to make sure that the meal was prepared, to make sure that everything was put together, to make sure that there was water so there could be the washing of feet when the guests came in. Martha was all busy about all the stuff, but Mary was busy about the worship. And I propose to you that the greatest priorities in our life is spending time in God's presence. Spending time in God's presence. Well, Pastor, you just don't know my lifestyle. You just don't know how much I have to do in a day's time, and, and I don't have time for God. Hold on. You're breathing. Last time I checked, you're breathing. That requires a praise offering to God saying thank you for the breath that you've given me. Because everything we have is given to us by God Almighty. So you can be a Martha and do all the work, but you can also have the spirit of Mary in you while you do the work and give God praise as you are working. But find time to get in God's presence.
find time to read the word. You say, Pastor, I just don't have time. It's prioritizing. We have time to do what we absolutely see as a priority. The carnal flesh doesn't want to read the Bible every day and pray because it knows it can't stay the way it is because God transforms the carnal flesh. So the carnal flesh is fighting. I don't want to surrender to God. The devil really wants to distract you. And he will do anything in his power to keep you from getting what God has for you. And so you have to come in a spirit of agreement with God and say, God, in myself, I can't love people like you want me to. But if I can ask your Holy Spirit to come into my life, if I can read this word and let it transform my mind and my brain and my thought patterns, I can love anybody because I'm loving them through your love, not my love. I'm, I'm giving you my will, and you're going to take my time, you're going to take my life, and you're going to use it for your glory. You know, people are saying, well, you know, if you, you know, they've got church thing, forget it. I don't want anything to do with it. It's called accountability. It's called worship. It's called coming into the presence of God Almighty. When we come in the presence of God Almighty, he said, I will bless you. I will, I will bless your business. I will bless your fields. I will bless your crops. I will bless your herds if you will simply love my commandments. Do my commandments. Love me. Do my commandments. And so as we look at the story, we, we, we realize there's two basic things going on here. How much do we love God? Are we more concerned about everything else in the world than we are than our relationship with God? We need to have a relationship with God. Now, the thing is, is that when you pray and seek God, He can bring somebody to you to give you answers if you need. When you pray and seek God, he can take you to a store and get you the bargain that you need for half the price you want willing to pay for it. When you seek God and, and seek him with all your heart, he can bless you. Get this. Get this. People fighting with heart issues. Physical heart issues. They say that exercise is important. But get this, when you do something for someone else, for example, sweep their sidewalk, shovel their snow, you get energy and exercise out of doing that. But guess what it does to your heart? When you do something for someone else, it blesses your own heart and there's something that doctors can't explain that your heart does better when you are a generous person and do physical activities for other people. Now get that. <laughs> I love it when science proves God's word. God says, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shake together, running over. Immediately we in America think, oh, that's dollars, dollars, dollars. No, 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 no. Physical health can be given back to you as you give of the health that you have to someone else. Hallelujah. It can be given back to you. So don't begrudge the fact, well, you know, if her grandkids would come over here, they could shovel this snow, I wouldn't have to do it. Don't, forget that. <laughs> do it as under the Lord. 
And I'm, you know, it, the number of things could be numerous. But begin to ask God, God, what can I do in random acts of kindness? Because as I give out, that's kind of selfish in a way. As I give out, God's going to heal my heart. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. They actually say that it, it gives you a feeling of, of, of great joy when you've been able to do something for someone else that they couldn't do for themselves. It's so neat. It's so neat. And so we are desperately wanting to take this principle of work ethic and being in service and plant it into our teenagers. It's such a necessity. Such a necessity to teach that work, work ethic and, and to do things for God in the process, others will get benefit, but to do things for God, for others, and watch God bless them in return. And so we're wanting to implant that in our teenagers, but guess what? We need to implant it in our lives as well. We need to implant it in our lives. God, what can I do to bless someone else? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for the beauty of your word. And God, you love us today with a compassionate love. And you've called us to love you with all of our soul, body, soul, and mind, and strength. And Lord, you promised that if we'll do that, you will bless us with abundance. And Lord, that abundance isn't so we can hoard it, but you bless us with abundance so we can share it because what is, what is mine is ours, and let's share it together. God, help us to realize that the only reason why we're blessed is because you have come into our life and have blessed us. Lord Jesus, we surrender our will into your hands and we ask for your direction. We ask, Lord, that you would open up doors of opportunity this week that we could be a blessing to someone, that we could be kind to someone, that we could encourage someone who is just going through a difficult day Lord, may we be yours. Bought the precious blood of Jesus and share what we have with others. That you will be blessed as you watch your children do the work of the ministry. Lord Jesus, you have called us all to love people and to be kind. That in turn, some will be brought into the kingdom and live eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for souls today. Lord, I pray for extended family members to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to love people so much that they have no other recourse but to accept Jesus and say, I need this love as well. God, grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. It's good to have you with us today and trust that you'll push in and be what God wants you to be throughout this week. We're going to continue our altar service. God bless you. Have a great day.